Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslender. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on December 11, 2022. Behold him, the good days and in the bad days. And that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for that. And if you really want to know who Jesus is, then Luke chapter 15 is a place to go because it shows us the heart of Jesus as much as anything. Can you turn on the overhead lights there, um, Amanda? And I want to say this because you'll see it in this passage, what we say under our breath is a better indicator of who we are than what we say out loud. Quiet, whispered words that we say or that we think to ourselves are the real us. Our out loud words are often filtered and guardings. The mutterings reveal our real selves. By the way, what is it the pastors say under their breath? I'm not going to tell you. Anyway, yeah, we, we, we have things sometimes we say under our breath. Out loud we say, we love you. Sometimes our grumbling and whining and complaining, it's more like, what's wrong with these people? I don't even know why I preach. They're not even going to listen to me. I, I mean, we all have those mutterings and grumblings and things that we say. And as we're going to see in today's passage, Jesus hears those, Jesus knows those, and Jesus responds. Now, depending upon your translation, you're going to read in today's passage that the Pharisees and teachers of the law murmured, muttered, grumbled, complained, growled, or whispered their criticisms of Jesus. And Jesus heard and responded with three parables, two of which we will read today, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then next week, the lost son or the prodigal son. But as their mutterings and grumblings and complainings and whispers show, the Pharisees, not to mention hypocrites of today, had a major and very serious complaint against Jesus. They did not like the way Jesus interacted with sinners. But understand that since they viewed pretty much everybody other than themselves as sinners, they were the saints, everybody else was a sinner. Their grumblings go deeper than how did Jesus treat sinners. What it really was is they had a problem with how Jesus treated people. And so I want you to think about that, and I want you to understand that as we read these two parables. Luke 15, 1 through 10, let's stand together as we read these. Two of the better known parables of Jesus, and we'll follow it up with the third one next week. And here's how it reads. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents 
than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angel of God over one sinner who repents. You may be seated, and I want you to think about this. Those outside the inner circle of Jesus. I mean, the the inner circle was pretty much the, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the rabbis, the ruling council. But everybody outside that circle of Jewish life, the sinners, the tax collectors, the sick, the hungry, the poor, the grieving, the hurting, the unloved, the lepers, those with challenges and issues, pretty much everyone outside that inner circle came to hear Jesus. The ordinary people recognize something about him. He cares for us. He understands us. He's one of us. He loves us. And that was a great thing, and that explains why Jesus was so attractive to people. And it's a great thing when churches today so adopt the heart and love and attitude of Jesus that people feel that from us today. But not everyone in the church feels that way even today. Many prefer to keep their distance, put up a circle, put up a fence. The Pharisees felt that way, and so they muttered and grumbled and whined and complained and whispered against Jesus. And this was their complaint. Jesus befriends sinners. Jesus welcomed sinners, they complained. And to their horror, it went beyond that. They said, he even eats with them. Now, they were okay if Jesus would have just preached to the, the, the sinners. If he had denounced their lifestyle. If he had put them down and called them out and told them to repent, they would have been okay with that. But they complained that Jesus went way beyond that. He's their friend. He goes to their homes. He shares meals with them. He befriends them. He hangs out with them. They were offended that Jesus bridged the gulf, the gulf between holy and unholy. They didn't realize that's exactly why he came. He didn't just reach out and show love to people. He really loved them. He didn't just act friendly to people. He became their friends. And do you see the difference between those two? Showing love is one thing. Really loving is something else. Being friendly to someone is one thing. Becoming a friend is another thing. It's not enough to show love. We must love. It's not enough to be friendly. We must be friends. All churches claim to be friendly. Fewer like Jesus and become friends with sinners. We will know we're more like Jesus when the hypocrites in the world begin to complain that the church has befriended sinners. When we hear that, instead of the more common complaint that we are judgmental against sinners, then we will know we are like Jesus.
So how Jesus treated sinners was clear. He loved all people. He cared for all people. He invested himself in their lives. The question Jesus wants us to answer, and it determines how much we are like Jesus, is this. How do you and me, how do we, how does Avondale Baptist Church, how do we look at sinners? Now, let, let, me, let, let me clarify here a minute, just so you understand. We're all sinners, Y'all understand that? You're a sinner. If you're not a sinner and you've never been a sinner, then you're free to go. I, I give you a pass. You can go on home, you're okay, or at least you think you're okay. But for the rest of us, how do we see sinners, people who are like us? What do we think of them? How do we treat them? Now, Keep in mind, they may not look like us, they may not think like us, they may not act like us, they may not have our skin color, they may not speak our language, they might not share citizenship with us. Their political thoughts and moral thoughts and faith thoughts might not be like us at all and even be foreign, but how do we view people like that? Jesus wants us to answer. So let's look at the answer as it is, and how it's supposed to be. What's the answer? How do you view sinners? Well, here's what it's like to the hypocrites. Sinners are lost and unloved. That's how the Pharisees saw them. We've got our circle, other Pharisees, friends, ruling council members, good people, salt of the earth. And within that, we love. Beyond that, they're unloved. And they're lost. Now, hypocrites today don't usually go as far as to say those people are unloved. But you hear it in their mutterings and their whispers. Pharisees called people sinners, tax collectors, Samaritans, and Greeks. Hypocrites today call them many other names most of which I won't use in church because they are either filled with coarse and profane language or else they're racist. But people in their mutterings and thinking still find ways to communicate that they're not like us. They're pagan, heathen scum. They're unlettered, trashy, immoral. They're LGBTQIA+. They're illegal lawbreakers. They're demon-crats or white nationalist right-wingers or freaks or leftist communists. Our own mutterings and our grumblings condemn us just as it happened to the Pharisees. Now, just, just a point of clarity, just so you understand, I'm not in any way, shape, or form rationalizing any sin. I'm reminding us that we're all sinners and saying that it's hypocritical to see sinners as outside the love of Jesus and to separate them as the Pharisees thought Jesus should do. How horrible of Jesus! He befriends and even eats with sinners. Man, I wish that were said of the church today, that we care enough about them and we're not like the hypocrites, not like the Pharisees. So how would Jesus answer that question? How did he see sinners? He saw sinners as being loved and worth pursuing. 
So Jesus asked the question, hey, just suppose you're a shepherd, you got 100 sheep, and you lose one, wandered off, you don't know where it is. Wouldn't you go and look for it? Wouldn't you seek it? And wouldn't you be thrilled when you found it? It was lost and it was found. That's how Jesus and his followers look at sinners. They're lost. They need our help. We need to go get them because we love them and we love them enough to do everything within our power to bring them back. Suppose Jesus said you had 10 coins and you lost one. Is it just me that occasionally loses things? I mean, wouldn't you go through your drawers, check all your pockets? Wouldn't you move furniture if necessary? Wouldn't you go into your car or truck and look in kind of that awkward place in between the seats and reach underneath and find out maybe if you lost it there? And when you found it, aren't you happy? That's what Jesus said. That's Pharisees. That's hypocrites. How I look at sinners. I love them. I'm pursuing them. I want them to come to God. I care deeply about them. They are loved and valuable to us. Some of you remember 20 years ago when my family and I were up camping in the White Mountains and my daughter Melinda, about age 11 at the time, fell off the muggy on rim. I mean, it was about a 15, 20 foot immediate drop, and then she dropped and rolled another 75 feet or so. You know, we had warned her, don't get too close. She got too close. My wife, Dawn, like a good mom, she was ready to jump off and go get her. And I had to first get Dawn back from the edge. So I rationalized with her. I told her, Don, hey, it's no big deal. We got nine kids. <laughs> we still got eight. We're okay. I hope you know me better than that. No, Don, you go get help. I'm going down. I almost broke a leg getting down. And I got down and with some help from some, some Chandler police officers who were on a, a training run up there in the White Mountains and with a helicopter and some good doctors and, and, and a good hospital in Payson, she was okay. We did everything within our power because we loved her to bring her back within the family and make sure she was okay. And that's what Jesus said to the Pharisees, to the hypocrites of today. That's how I view sinners. That's how I look at people. They are loved. They are valuable. They are worth pursuing. We don't hate them. We're not in a war with them. They're one of us. I love them and I want them to return to me. That's how and why Jesus and the church, if we're acting like the church, loves and befriends sinners. We care deeply for them and we do everything within our power. To help them. Um, Tina, what are you doing? I'm still preaching. It's not time for music just yet. I have been listening to you preach for a lot of years now, and I know where you're going with this, so I thought I'd come be helpful. Um, 
Are you saying my sermons need some additional help and excitement? I, I don't want to say anything disparaging here, but when we really need Arkin to take a nap, we put on a recording of your preaching. It does the trick every time. Ooh. I've got deacons like that. So are you going to interrupt me now? No, I'm not quite ready. I'm going to set up. You'll know when I want to start. Okay, so the next point is this. What Jesus said, according to the angels, sinners are worth rejoicing over when they return to God. All right, I got this part. At the completion of the golden gate, no, the angels did not celebrate. And when the right boys flew their bird, no angelic shouts were heard. There's only one thing that we're sure about that can make those angels jump and shout. It's when a sinner makes the Lord his choice. That's when the angels rejoice. Now when the light bulb first lit up the town, no, the angels did not dance around. And when the man stepped on the moon, they didn't sing a victory tune. There's only one thing that we're sure about that can make those angels jump and shout. It's when a sinner makes the Lord his choice. That's when the angels rejoice. Now heaven doesn't strike up the band for any old occasion at hand. It's got to be a special thing to make those angels sing. Now when the Model T first hit the street, it didn't bring all heaven to its feet. And when the first computer was born, they didn't blow. When one lost sinner comes back home, they jump for joy around the throne. There's only one thing that we're sure about that can make those angels jump and shout. It's when a sinner makes the Lord his choice. That's when the angels rejoice. That's when the angels rejoice. Amen. Okay. Did you understand that? Jesus said sinners are worth pursuing. I love them. I'm not angry with them. I'm not mad at them. I'm not putting them down. I'm not at war with them. I love them. And when one of them comes back home, that's when heaven applauds. That and only that is what the Bible says occurs in heaven. That's when angels rejoice. Sinners are lost and unloved according to the Pharisees, according to the hypocrites of today. Sinners are loved and worth pursuing to Jesus and to his church. And sinners are worth rejoicing over. 
No matter how bad they've been, no matter how horrible their faith, no matter how terrible their morality, no matter how deep their sin, angels rejoice in heaven when one person turns to faith in God. So that's what the hypocrites say. That's what Jesus said. That's what the angels say. What's your answer? What's my answer? What's our answer? I want to tell you, it's really pretty simple. We're either like Jesus or we're not. For way too long, the church has taken an accusatory tone towards people. You're no good. We don't like you or your politics or your morality or your phony religions or your attitude. We're in a war against you. And so we will put you down, call you names, mutter under our breath, lie about you, exaggerate your sins while we minimize ours, and even proclaim from the rooftops, you're no good. And so you're outside our circle of love. Look, you and I have to make this decision. As followers of Jesus, either we're like Jesus or we're not. Either we love and care about people, all people, no matter who they are and what they've done, or, or we become like the Pharisees. Can't believe you'd hang out with sinners. Can't believe you'd befriend them. And I wish that were true. I wish that's what people were saying about the church today. We're either like Jesus or we're not. We either befriend them or we don't. One of the sad truths of the modern evangelical church is that just quite possibly to the world, we look more like Pharisees than we do like Jesus. If we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to love people. So how do we respond? I want to give you two things today. Number one, I want to ask you to turn to the God who is pursuing you. God is not passive. If you're one of the lost sheep, you're like the lost coin, you're like the lost or prodigal son that we'll read about next week. God is not a passive God. He is active in your life. He is calling you to come to him. He has loved you and pursued you all of your life. He has used parents, churches, experiences, challenges, blessings, time of discipline, and sermons, including this one, to let you know that he is pursuing you and he wants you to follow him. He's after you because he loves you. And he wants you to turn to him. He wants to forgive your sin, give you a life and an eternity worth living. Do that. Come to the God who is pursuing you, who died for you, who rose again for you. Do that. And the church and the angels in heaven will rejoice. Who you were and what you did will be totally and completely forgotten. Because now you're one of him. So turn to the God who is pursuing you. Then number two, choose to love like Jesus.
Do not be a Pharisee. Do not be a hypocrite. Choose to love and to befriend people from the heart. Now now listen carefully because I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying love people just so they will come to faith in Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. Because the radar of the lost is super sharp. They know when they are a target. So do you. When you walk into a new car showroom and the salesman comes out and compliments you, man, what a nice sweater. You know he's not out to befriend you. He just wants to sell you something. A $50,000 car or a $75,000 truck. Listen, the radar of the lost is clear. If we don't love them just simply because we love them, care about them, are interested in them, see them as someone valuable, see them as someone that Jesus loves and show some real interest in their lives, not just when they come to church, not just when they make a decision, not just when they walk down the aisle. If we can't show real love to people, we're not like Jesus. See, that's the bottom line. I'm not just challenging you to come to church. I'm not just saying walk the aisle, check the box, get baptized. I'm saying what the church needs now is more people like Jesus who love and care about all people. The world is trying to tell us we're in a war against them. Jesus said, I befriended them. I'm in a war against them is the battle cry of the hypocrites. I love them is the cry of Jesus. Which side are we going to be on? Because Jesus was extremely clear. And so must we be. Now, this is challenging and I hope it's causing you to think. But I want to be a man and part of a church that loves like Jesus. And I want you to be part of that. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.